Hey, 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 find out really soon here in just a few moments what one of Marcus Lamonis's toughest challenges have been to date. Stand by. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. How great is that? Right on the chorus. I think, you know, I've had aspirations of being a millionaire, but I can't say I've had aspirations of being a billionaire. Damn it, dream bigger, woman. Gotta dream bigger, folks. Yes, yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, our Profit After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. And uh, we have an exciting, exciting episode here today. Uh, But we're listening to a little billionaire music on the way to get us in in the zone to get primed for this. Do you this. think Bruno Mars is a billionaire? Uh, no. Interesting. But I think it's a good uh, Goal. good thing that you asked. <laughs> Close my eyes. All right, so this is actually a lazy person song masquerading as a billionaire song. <laughs> it really is, because every time I close my eyes, I just... Mm. Yeah. All right, uh, so welcome, 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 and we are here to talk about The Prophet with Marcus Limonis. Uh, awesome, awesome episode tonight. If uh, if you haven't seen it, you definitely want to do so uh, throughout the course of the episode. Now, are, do you have any ca- capability to look at your digital device and track uh, people talking to us? Or uh, you know, let's do that. We you, used to do that with a computer back in 2015. Yeah, back in the but day, now back in the, the dark it. ages. Yeah, I, I don't know let if you'll me, be able to or not. Let me get onto uh, the Twitter feed for hashtag the prophet. I have yet to master being able to navigate the digital device and maintain connection and, at and the same time. And who are you? I'm, who am I? Yes. Who Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Chris Howard. You can reach me at Chris Howard Live on Twitter and Instagram. And so we're looking to navigate that digital domain over here. If you figure it out, great. If you don't, no problem. We'll do it uh, at another time. But sure. Everybody knows who I am now. Who are you? Who am yeah, who I? Are you? I am the new IT tech savvy woman. Uh, the new, at, the new breed. I'm the new breed. <laughs> uh, no, I am Katerina Kazayas. Hi, everyone. Uh, I am here today uh, with Chris Howard from Chris Howard Live. You can she find is. me on Twitter. I vouch for her. She's here at my uh, Twitter handle, Katerina Kazayas. That's also uh, via Instagram. Those are my two favorites: Instagram, Twitter. Uh, so do hit me up on that. You can also, of course, always catch up with me uh, via my website, globalgab.com. That's global-gab.com, where I fill you in on top trending international headlines. Um, but I also am your go-to girl for anything that you want to find out about what the world thinks of us here at home. Oh. So with these elections sort of trending around the globe. What does the world think about me? The world. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, not, not You know why I love Chris? They, yeah. I love you, Chris, because you've got none of that Trump narcissism. Narcissism. Uh, narcissism. narcissism. None of it. All right. Yeah. The, his, <laughs> his narcissism trumps mine, is what you're saying. Okay. Um, and I do always like to hear a piece of global gab before we start. So what's what's Absolutely. something what, about... What is, what is trending globally yeah, right but, now? Wait a sure. second. This is new for me when you say... Okay. That you tell us about how the world feels about us. Yes, because so, uh, because I'm, I'm plugged in. So that. so to talk about what's happening with the election. I mean, it, you know, I was reading some articles that were out of um, out of Britain and also out of Germany and um, uh, another article from Australia. Okay. And maybe it was the writers, but they were very right. cynical. And they were really. Are you, you think, kidding me? Somebody reading think. an article that's cynical. And they were really just uh, likening the this year's presidential election to. A reality show, and they were just saying it's not unlike the U.S. to try to, you know, make a circus out of everything, which I found was a little bit fair, a little bit not fair, because in fairness, the U.S. has done quite a bit 
um, to be supportive of the rest of the world, you know, in terms of humanitarian efforts, in terms of um, sharing e economic strategies. You know, though, it's kind of like, because I used to, I, I spent a lot of time in Australia. Yeah. We, we probably have Australians watching right now. Hey, Australians. Hey, yeah, yeah. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, but... Uh, it's not un it's not uncommon. Oftentimes, they look at the U.S. Like, kind of like you know, want to throw stones at the bigger brother. That and, I, and they're going to hate me for saying that. By sure. the way, they're going to actually. Uh, but you know, they're like there's a comp competitive type of thing, With and, the, the and, and there's an arrogance about America too. Mm. We have an arrogance where we feel like everybody else lives in our shadow, and I guess mm -hmm. that was even displayed in what I, how I just explained it. <laughs> but there's like it's like yeah, yeah, America this, America that. You mm. know, uh, they're, they're still friends, but there's a there's a little uh, irritation there that happens, and it's kind of like when you go to France, they they say that people in France. Um, you know, they're so they, they say that they're uh, what snooty, or right? They, they get snooty at, if you can't speak French that's to them. The issue right. is that everybody, ex all Americans, expect mm. everybody else to speak English rather than going over there. Because in mm. my experience, when you make an effort to speak the language, then yeah. they're they're really cool people. All right. You know, so I don't know. I think it's just this uh, the kind of the shadow of America uh, imperialism. <sighs> So, yeah. I, I don't anyway. mean to be ignoring you. I'm looking at my yeah, phone because... Of course because, you do. You always ignore no, me. No, I'll tell yeah. you, is I found the Twitter feed. So, for yeah. anyone watching that does want to engage in conversation with us, uh, you can do so at hashtag the profit. We're following that. But my phone is on automatic lock after 30 seconds. So, I'm trying to find the space where you can unlock the what lock. What kind of digital expert and, are you? <laughs> and it's not working. So, so what you're saying um, is if anybody puts hashtag the profit, it's going to yes, come through our gonna, Twitter feed? Right. And does that come to and, you and, and or I are you looking at it. the I'm, after I'm just, buzz I'm, I'm, No, I'm just on the hashtag the profit. I'm okay. not on the at handles. Right. Okay. So, you're just going to put hashtag the profit in right. any tweet. Right. We're going to read it. We'll read it and we can engage with and you. And we're going to engage with you. Right. We're going to be engaged. All right. right. Now, uh, first things uh, first, before we uh, get too deep here, it is important to realize that the profit's going on hiatus for mm -hmm. a couple of weeks. We didn't know. I didn't know this. Did you know? No, neither of us knew this. Neither of us uh, knew it. We found, out, uh, we found out tonight that we will be back with you November 15th. November 15th. So we're taking a, is it three or four week break? We get a three week break. Three week break. Just like we're Howie. Learn how just to like use Howie. Twitter in just those like three Howie weeks. in the episode. <laughs> Howie in the episode, the owner of this business takes two to three weeks off every three months. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we get it as well. I think I think he rubbed off on Marcus a little bit because Marcus says, now I'm taking a three week break. I need but, a three week yeah. break. All right. All right so. <laughs> so let's talk about the episode. So uh -huh. uh, it's called Bowery uh, Kitchen Supplies is the name of the company that Marcus goes to uh, to help out here. And it's a kitchen supply store. Now, did you see, see um, uh, my my dear friend Katerina Kazayas here was uh, rushing to get here from her previous gig. She has one gig after another after another. So She's, in demand. Yeah. I'm so in demand. So, <laughs> uh, so she missed just the first uh, little piece of it. A few minutes. A few yeah, minutes of it. It's not like but I'm. But that's I'm, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not turning you in or anything. I'm just, I guess it is because we are on camera, right? Yes, so I've you just, just outed uh, me. Outed you, yeah. No, but did you see the pictures of the uh, the Bowery Kitchen? The before supply? and after. Yeah, the before pictures. For anyone that saw this episode and saw the before and then the after photos, wow, what a, yeah. what a mind-blowing, staggering difference in terms of the look, the feel, the organization of that particular store, Huge which is difference. a kitchen yeah. supply store. A kitchen supply store. So they, right. uh, the store, if you haven't seen the episode yet, they uh, they have different types of kitchen supplies. Right. Go figure. Um, but they uh, they outfit both professional chefs as well as 
uh, restaurants, so they do uh, you know more commercial type enterprises as well as individuals, right? So you could go to this big kitchen supply store and get all the kitchen supplies that you need. Uh, but it did look like uh, when I first saw it, it looked. It, it looked like one of those stores where it, 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 later on they end up liquidating a lot of the uh, the inventory, the inventory mm-hmm. right. But in the beginning, it looked like one of those stores where you buy anything for a dollar and you go yeah. in. It's funny that you say that. And it's just that. like shit everywhere. Because I had that exact same thought. When Did I you? saw that before picture, I thought, geez, it looks like one of those like 99 cent stores. Exactly. That that's got what I forgotten and they just are shoving everything in there. Right. And um, that was exactly the, yeah. the, the impression that you got. It was like it was shoved in there, stuff all over the place. No kind of uh, rhyme or reason, I think, mm-hmm. is to quote Marcus. But there, it, it was just a mess. Yes. And so people would have to go through the store, kind of stumble on things and and find them by happenstance, I think, because they weren't categorized, they weren't right. sorted, they weren't ordered, they were no, there was no signage. And I don't know about you, and I don't know about you at home, but when I walk into a store that, that has that sense of chaos, I mm. sort of turn around and walk back out. I don't have the patience. I know some people do. Some people like to go in and dig through right. to find the deal, but I just can't. I can't do it. That's actually there's a name for a store. Dig through and f- dig through for deals or something. I don't know. Dig dig for deals. Dig for deals. Dig for deals. Oh, that's actually not bad. There you go. If yeah, it was yeah. a ninety nine cent store, but it's not. <laughs> it's supposed to be serving in a, a higher uh, a higher level. market. Yeah, yes. exactly. So uh, pretty messy. It's now the store's been in business for twenty years. So they, they mm-hmm. launched in nineteen ninety six. It was a couple that launched together, Howard and Robin. Robin, yes. Yeah. So clearly, someone out there is supporting this chaotic store because. People are going in there and buying. I mean, if they're around for 20 years, they're around Even for 20 years. Even chaotic stores deserve but I think, love. But in, yeah. in, in, I think part of what allowed them to be around for 20 years was the location. So it was in Chelsea Market in New York. There now, that go. is one of the busiest spots in the world. That's why you have okay. a little heart next to it. And so I have a little heart on my on my notepad <laughs> here saying, I love Chelsea Market. because I, I saw the I love and I'm like, oh, she's got a crush. And then I saw Chelsea Market. Yeah. <laughs> but for any of you that have been to Chelsea Market in New York, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's great. It's a great spot. Yeah, I've never been there before. And, so um, and, and I can see that it's a massively heavy, heavy traffic And they area. did say, uh, Marcus did say in the episode that they do have a lot of traffic that comes through the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could imagine, like, like you said, I would likely walk in or walk back out if I ever walked in in the first place. It just, sure, right. it was obvious from the outset that it was a mess. Another really weird thing about the store was his fascination with knives. Yeah. Now, Howie and Robin had been divorced, so they started the business uh, together. It was really Howard's baby. Uh, but they ended up getting a divorce. They weren't uh, getting along so well in the episode. This was a challenge on the business. And uh, and he has this fascination with knives, and I'm thinking in my head about the deeper level psychology. <laughs> you know, this guy must really not have like some... being in business with his ex. <laughs> Pent up anger, right? All he's... these knives. Well, I mean, shit. It's a, it's a kitchen supply store, but there's a machete in it as one of the knives. It looked like he had samurai swords. I was going to say there. maybe he's a history buff. You know, you don't know. Yeah, but who's he selling it? Is it's a kitchen supply mm-hmm. store. So it, it, like it looked like you know it looked like to me it looked like uh, have you ever been to medieval times? Uh, I love medieval times. It looked like the armory okay. in medieval Which times. Which is my favorite these... part of it, actually. Yeah, I mean, I love that at medieval times, but that's what people are looking for swords and right. stuff to buy right. to either. I... Yeah, but I mean, this is a kitchen supply store. It looks like the armory or a garrison for uh, a battle. I, uh, I promise I'm not ignoring you, and I'm also yeah, not. Oh, wait, no. I'm also not ignoring the Twitter people. I, yes. have, I have a really Do we cool have a photo. Tweet? No, wait. I have a really cool photo on this topic of knives that we I want to show you. We almost thought we had a fan, but we don't. We have a no. photo <laughs> instead. 
You keep talking. Right. I'm going oh, okay. to scroll. I'm going to keep talking. Thanks. All right. Uh, so in any case, it looked like a, a garrison for a, a, you know for a uh, army that was about to uh, go to battle. Um, the store was a mess. The employees now were were good. They were uh, they seemed sharp. Uh, the general manager seemed sharp. The uh, person, the floor manager seemed very sharp. So mm-hmm. everybody was uh, excited, sharp. What, do you have something to add there? No, now? I was going to say I agree with you. Yeah, yeah the, the oh, staff okay. was good. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just want to make sure people know that I'm in, you know, However, multitasking. No, we, we get I found it. You're it. in a different world. Let's, uh, what, no, 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 what are we going to say? Are you going to tweet it? Okay, where'd Check you get this picture? What, oh, you so just... I have a picture in my phone, folks. You probably yeah, can't you won't see be able this. To I don't think that. you can yeah, zoom in right it's now. Too but far. Um, it's a full of knives and swords. Okay. Because so I kind of have a fascination with knives and swords I as do well. too, but not in a kitchen supply store. That's, the, that's <laughs> the, it's, it's like in the right place. But uh, nonetheless, so you've got the couple now, uh, Howie and Robin, that are the divisive elements within the team. Because the team is is relatively good, so we've got a uh, from a process perspective, we've got the store that's a mess. We've got the couple from a people perspective. Most of the team is fine, but at the top, there's mm. divisiveness between the couple. And uh, we've got from the product perspective, everything's pretty good except the weird placement of the knives and the weird focus on the knives. So Marcus comes in and he asks the uh, he asks them what's going on. Tell tell us a little bit about the store. Apparently, uh, what begins to come out is that Howie takes vacations, takes holidays. And it's kind of interesting because I remember seeing the commercial for this. Okay. And Howie takes a holiday. It takes two weeks. Uh, I, I, they say two, I think he said two weeks every three months. Okay. What wow. do you think about this? Marcus had a big issue with this. I want to know what you think. Two weeks every three months. That's a lot. That, I mean that 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 be, that comes down to about eight weeks of time. Right. So that's what and that's how Marcus qualified. Right. He said, "So you're taking two months off a year as a business owner, mm. and this is a good topic for debate. So what's what's your real, honest to God, dig into your heart, your soul, and and tell me what you think about uh, you that." You know what? To be very honest with you, I believe that there is more to life than just making money. Okay. So I'm a big proponent of a work life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe if you have built a successful business that can run on its own merit and you have put the team and the processes in place and you trust that team and process, I don't see a problem if you want to take time off. You may not be after the extra $100,000 a year that you could generate by being present. Right. You may prefer to take that time and dream, sit on a beach, do what you want to do. What I have an issue with is when you have a failing business... And you proceed to continue to take right. two months off a year. That right. becomes a problem. Yeah, it becomes denial, right. really. I see. Yeah. Now the thing is, is that uh, yeah, because I would have to, I, I would have to d- differ with Marcus in my view of this, mm. which I, I, You're I, too I don't, I don't okay. often. Yeah, okay. you know, um, because two months off a year. I mean, if he's able to do it, fantastic. Why I mean, not? What, what, you know? what's life about? You know, that, and and that's exactly my point. You and I are on the same page on right. this one, and it's interesting because bringing it back to global gab for a moment. Yeah. Um, most of the rest of the world is a lot more lenient with respect to time off right. than the U.S. is. Right. Um, and you see this with in, in France. I mean, they you are mandated yeah, they take, to, get, to take six weeks off a year. You're given six weeks paid vacation. And in the U.S., you can work for 15 years and still be on a two-week vacation. Right. So I think it's, you know, the Americans work a little too hard, and I don't see them that much further ahead at the end of the day. At least ahead not in terms or, of happiness yeah, happy or health. Or fulfilled or healthy. Or, you or, know, yeah. any of that. So Now, I but from Marcus's perspective, now to turn, the, kind of turn it over to the other 
side, from an investor's perspective, mm. who's coming in and wants to put their money in the business to find out that the person's taking two months off a year, that might be a little jarring from uh, that perspective. From an investor perspective, absolutely. Yeah, you'd be like, well, hey, wait a second, this is a person who's not fully committed to the business. Why the hell do I want to put my money there if this person is, you know, acting as if they're they're on a permanent vacation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get Marcus's perspective. However, uh, from a business owner perspective slash investor perspective, you know, from mm-hmm. from that perspective, uh, I don't mean an outside investor. I mean, right. yeah, you no, as the you're, investor. Well, and he went in as an equity partner. Right. right? You so. as the investor in your own business. Uh, I think the the ideal would be to get to the point where your business runs itself. Sure, and your absolutely. That's what are, we're all yeah. striving for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, having said that, to your point, which is mm-hmm. really valid, uh, if the business is a struggling business, there's then we've got a problem. And, and, and what was telling uh, for me as well is the fact that Clearly, Howard wasn't in love with this business. Mm. I think if he was, and he really had a passion and lived and breathed kitchen supplyware, right? He would, by nature, want to be present yeah, because I hear what that you're would be his happy place. Right. This clearly was not his happy place. Go to your happy place, Peter. Go to your happy place. Think happy thoughts. <laughs> that's, that's how you fly. Fairy dust on you right? now. That's how exactly. You fly, right? Come on, we know that. Um, but yeah, no. What you're saying is, uh, I, I agree 100 percent that if he's passionate about something, he's going to want to. I mean, you look at a guy like Warren Buffett right. who's still working at Berkshire Hathaway, uh, and there's no wonder why he's so rich. But then, to each their own. You know, if Howie has built this business and he's been in it for 20 years, mm-hmm. you know that doesn't just happen by luck. One thing he probably is passionate about are, are the knives. knives. Yeah, and I almost wonder if he built the entire business around his love of knives to start with. I think the knives came up at the time of the divorce. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like pimped up uh, frustration. I want to hit on, um, on on this divorce issue for just a moment yeah. because the, the relationship between Howard and his wife, Robin, mm-hmm. was pretty dismal at the beginning. They were 50-50 partners in this business. So now, how he actually started it and he gave her 50%. That was part of the divorce settlement. I, it happened before the divorce. Oh, I missed yeah. this part. Interesting. Yeah, I believe, yeah. Okay. So back when he loved her, he <laughs> gave her 50% exactly. of the business. The, 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 uh, the moral of the story is don't fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do, and don't you do, give your business don't away. Don't give your shit away. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I'm wondering is whether or not part of his driver for being away from the business for so long was just his need to mentally eject from confrontation. If you started, why every, he started every, to disappear? Every three months, right. See, I think that I think that's just him. It's a mm-hmm. lifestyle choice, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, as you're building a business, building a business is it can be a bitch. It's tough. It's mm-hmm. hard. You know, it's it's a tough world, and you start to build it up. Uh, for me, needing two weeks out, like that's what my old philosophy was. If I'm going to go like an Olympic athlete, sure. and you know, I'm going to perform at that level, then I need to also take care of myself in ways that allow me to continue to perform that way. Now, he didn't look like your typical gold medalist. (laughs) But he may have been, you know, that we go through stages in life where we're pouring uh, more energy in in different ways, and maybe he had poured a lot of energy in, and he got to a point where he's like, okay. I need to recharge my battery. Or I need to live a little bit differently. Sure. Yeah, and and, and I respect that as well. I think you and I I are on the same page on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and you know what? Honestly, I think Marcus actually would have respected that 
if it was laid out up front. And, and I could be mm. just mind reading that and be totally off base. But I've seen Marcus work with businesses before where the business owners were clearly not going to be the ones that were working in the day-to-day operations of the business. And if Howie had come into it in that way, where he said, you know what, I want to be a business owner. Right, I've got I want my the... floor manager in place. I've got my exactly. partner in place. Everything is in place. I think you're right. I think Marcus would have been more receptive to it. He would have gotten it more. Had it been delivered that way. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, and there's something to learn about how we frame things up Mm -hmm. front. Uh, You know, to Howie's credit, he was holding his space and Mm -hmm. saying, no, that's the way I I like to do it. That's the way I like to live my life. And, you know, by the end of the episode, Marcus was saying, you know, we don't have the same attitudes about business, but, you know, I'm... Uh, what did he say? I'm uh, reservedly. I, ca- I know he said cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. I had to write it down because right. I liked it. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> and, and, and I get that. And so you know, kudos to him for uh, being able to work with somebody that does have a different attitude about mm. the business. But to to the point once again, where you said a failing business mm. is the operative thing here, and so the business wasn't doing well. So let's take a look at the numbers. Sure. Uh, they had 50-50 uh, ownership. The revenue was approximately $3 million. Annually? Uh, the it, At the moment. Okay. At the moment, okay. right? So it was a, like the last year was $3 million. Okay. Yeah. Um, Howie claimed that a million of that came from knives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I claimed. He's got a one-track at, mind, is Howie. Yeah. At first, he's like, okay, a million came from knives. Uh, and here's what blew me away in the episode I really really appreciated about Marcus and you know I never cease to be amazed Mm -hmm. even though sometimes my thinking is a little bit different like in this one I'm like if a guy can take two months off have a business that's you know maintaining his lifestyle you know kudos go for it yeah Mm -hmm. I mean if he can take 12 months off fantastic even better right (laughs) yeah but uh, in this what Marcus said was that every square foot one of the ways to look at improving and first of all measuring and what we measure we can then improve Um, one of the uh, measurements uh, that we can do is to look at what is the profit or what are the sales per square foot so when you've got they've got a 4,000 square foot building Marcus did the math and he said okay it's right now we're at approximately $750 in sales per square foot Mm -hmm. which which gave him the ability to then segment it and look at each segment and see which portions of the store were doing more sales than Mm. others. However, because nothing was categorized, no signage, it was just a mess. Chaos, yes. He had to clean up the chaos uh, to get it categorized so that they could start running the metrics and start being even more effective at that. How he came by this, I mean, you know, it may just be Marcus's experience. It may be people on the show that are working with him together, but... Uh, or a combination of both, which Probably is most both, likely, right. right? But I was uh, I was awestricken, mm. I'd say, uh, by the brilliance in his ability yeah. to go in there, say, "Where the hell do you start?" You right. know, it's like you're right. looking at a mess. How do we turn this to profits? Um, and 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 one of the things he did is basically say, "I want to get rid of all of this. Like, well, this is a money making space, yeah. but." It is not being optimized with the quality of the inventory that was in there and the layout of the inventory that was in there. Right. So his recommendation to them was get rid of it all. Let's right. See. We're having a massive garage sale. Yeah, but it was a massive garage sale, but he also had to figure out what categories they wanted to be in mm. versus not. So mm-hmm. while they went to liquidate inventory, they were also looking at okay, let's 
look at the various categories that should be in the store. So let's look at uh, chef wear, for example, aprons, and let's look at knives, and let's look at glassware, and let's see how much revenue is flowing from each place. And we've seen this before. We uh, we saw that recently in some of the clothing episodes Mm -hmm. and that type of thing. Right. Is it the jeans? Is it the T-shirt? What's selling? What's driving Uh the machine rather than just guessing? And let's look at where the revenue is coming from so that we can begin to think, what do we want to keep versus not? Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, a, this was actually, Marcus said at the end, this was one of my biggest challenges. And I actually get why it was mm-hmm. such a big challenge. Because like standing in a junkyard, looking around and going, where the hell do I start? And then having two nasty dogs fighting each other yeah. while you're trying to do that. <laughs> junkyard dogs. Right? I like yeah. that. Look at that metaphor just translating <laughs> over. Oh, boy. Uh, what did you think of Robin? Robin, the wife, ex-wife, 50% business I liked partner. Robin. She seemed to be a really nice lady. I mean, it's so hard to tell in these hour-long episodes, but I, I think we got a window into her personality. Mm-hmm. I, I liked her. I think the way that they put both of these people across, because all we can get is, all we can glean it's is the way how they edited. were positioned and sure, edited. Sure, but, but, I mean, you know, it's kind of like where there's smoke, there's fire. There's, there's we, Who they are bleeds through. Mm-hmm. Howard uh, seemed to be kind of the nonchalant kind of guy, just letting the thing run on its own. Uh, Robin seemed to be the hard worker. She seemed very caring. She and seemed she seemed as though she had more passion for the business, at least did. on the surface for me. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't think uh, she also knew that you know Howard was going to come in, and no matter what she got passionate about, he was going to redo it, do it the way he wanted. He'd leave for a while, come down. back in. Yeah. Say it doesn't need to be that way. We need to move that out. Mm-hmm. Put some more knives on the wall. Get rid of the glassware. So, you know, I, I I do get Howard. The way he was displayed in this episode, I think, was as somebody who just doesn't care or wasn't really in the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they would have been far better off just putting Robin in charge and letting Howard be an investor. I was going to say let Howard take twelve months off. At the, yeah. you know, let him. I I agree with you. I think she. Uh, really had a handle on how to merchandise, right? On on how to set up displays that were inviting to customers and buyers, and to really work with an experiential feel and introduce that into the store, right? Um, and she was there every day, all day, yeah. And yet, the dynamic between her and Howard was one of him still being the boss, even though on paper it was right. 50-50. And the, but they knew that right at the beginning. Like, in the very beginning, uh, when when they said 50-50, I thought, okay, we're going to have problems. <laughs> <laughs> then Marcus says, who's in charge? Mm. And they both said, Howie's in charge. Yeah. So there was an understanding that he was the one that was in charge from the outset. Now, I found that dynamic a little interesting because Marcus was pushing Robin to take a uh, to take a stand for her positions in relationship with him and mm. to stand up to his domination mm. of that uh, of the store and I thought well that's kind of interesting because they both have already accepted that he's in charge yet now Marcus is act- asking her to buck the system and speak out and but I think Marcus was only doing that not to cause additional confrontation uh-huh. between the two of them but because he did recognize that so many more of her ideas 
were better. Right. Right. And so getting shot down, stopped. The value add that he was missing. Right. And because of that, I think Marcus was really fueling her to, to sort of speak her mind because he could see that whatever she was thinking was probably going to benefit his investment. Agreed. His being Marcus's. Well, but all yeah. of their investment because uh, sure. you know they, obviously they wanted to grow. I mean, Marcus had the vision of having twenty of these open. Sure. And you see where that could they, they could really do that once you know once they get the core store set up in right. a way that uh, really works. And I mean, they're not that far off. They're, they've got $3 million in revenue yeah, already. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, now the books here, I'll share with the... With the viewers. And with the viewers and everybody here. So they had, uh, when they first started, they said there was approximately $3,136,000 in revenue. Mm-hmm. Cost of goods was $1,381,000. Uh, so the gro- they had a gross profit of one seven five five, and if you're not familiar with gross profit, that's uh, what it costs to uh, make it, prepare it, have it there. With and we're not adding the marketing, we're not adding anything else except what it, what does it cost you to produce what is going to be sold to produce your inventory. So then there was a so there was a gross profit of one million seven hundred and fifty five expenses of $1,876,000, so they had a loss. Even though they were uh, they had $3 million in revenue, they had a loss of $121,000 uh, at the end of the day for the, for the year. Uh, and they were leveraged out. They had loans that were mm-hmm. outstanding. The vendors were calling. Payroll exactly. was due. Exactly. So payroll was $583,000. Rent was uh, $405,000. Payables, $196,000. And probably some of those were overdue. Were overdue. Right? Yeah. Uh, there was uh, quite quite a bit that was overdue. Total debt was $492,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they had listed on their balance sheet an asset of a line of credit of 111000 but Marcus pointed out that's not an that's asset. Not an asset. <laughs> that's a liability. Right. Uh, or it's nothing until it's used, right? Uh, and they had $32,000 cash in the bank. That's it. Which is it on with a, a business, payroll of 583000 On a business that, that, that generated $3 million in sales. Right. Ouch. Yeah, and it's, you know... I've been there before. I like. I, I've, I've been. I've been there before. Yeah. Um, where you're going? Where did all the money go? Right. right. Yeah. And having said that, uh, you know, because here's the thing: when Marcus made his offer, his offer was uh, three hundred and fifty thousand for forty percent of the business. Uh, they negotiated a bit. They didn't want to give up forty percent because then between the two of the others, they'd they would be left with twenty five each. Exactly. Or, no, uh, let's see, forty. Uh, they'd each. be left thirty, 30 each. 30 yeah. each. Uh, but he didn't want each of them having a combined a total equity that mm. outpaced his own. Mm. Marcus didn't. So they ended up uh, settling on 30, 30, 30, um, which still gave them a combined equity of more. So sure. Was, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so he gave up a third of the business. Uh, Marcus was going to get 350K, ends up putting 400 in. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and, and of course, he's totally in charge, as always. Right. So... When they were, when Marcus was putting the money in, um, how, there was a little bit of a debate. And how he says, uh, you know, if if we don't take this deal, we'll just keep doing as we're doing. And Marcus said, No, you're not. You're going to be out of business. You're choking. And how he said, We're not. We've been doing business. We've been in business this long years. for twenty years. We'll do. We'll do just fine. And Marcus made the point of saying, No, you're going to be out of business. Your doors are going to close unless you get somebody to write you this check for three hundred fifty. I thought that was very interesting because mm. what Marcus was talking about was getting their books clean, their debts, you know, taken care of, and put everything put into a perspective where they could really grow. 
I don't know that they would have been out of business the next week. I, I really don't, because they, they were making sales on a steady basis. Mm-hmm. But Marcus did, he kind of laid down the line, wake up, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're digging yourself into a trench. You're digging yourself right. into a trench. And I yeah. think Marcus has the ability to look at it from a longer-term perspective of mm-hmm. the damage that's being done right now right. in the present. Yes, and yes. which makes him headed. an astute businessman and makes him... Marcus Lemonis and not Howard from Bowery <laughs> Kitchen. No offense to Howard, but different level of business owner. Uh, yeah, well, he's, he's able to see things that other people sure. don't see because it's like, did, I mean, he wouldn't know that he was digging himself a hole. But when you when you know the numbers, and that's why I think the numbers are the magic behind the business, because yeah. when you know the numbers, you can have a foresight and you can see into the future in ways that other people can't see into the future. Mm-hmm. Where is this headed based upon the way that they're living in the now? Um, very profound. Very profound. What do you do with that? Uh, so he gets the team, uh, makes the deal. He gets a third of the business, pulls the team together as he always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, says he's going to be putting money in, being uh, going to put three hundred fifty grand in. Marcus is always transparent. I like that about him. He wants to tell people right away what is happening, and I think communication in business, especially as it pertains to communication with employees, mm-hmm. is incredibly important. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, when you think about the dysfunction at the level of the head relationship of the two people that are running the organization. You know, what's that communicate to everybody? Right. And what has it been communicating all this time? Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> uh, in terms of mm-hmm. how to show up, how to, you know, I mean, yeah. and we saw that Howie was there late most of the time, kind of came in when he wanted to come in, which I understand as well. I mean, I've been there as well. I get that. Um, yes, but but if you just went into business with a brand new partner. That's the point. Someone yeah. who's come in with cash on the table to save your butt. Right. Would you not at least make the effort? Show even up, if yeah. Even if it was just, you know, just to seem like you're making an effort. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I know when I had my business, one of the things, my last business, you know, I would, uh, because I was working around the clock, my hours wouldn't reflect. It, it, mm-hmm. I didn't work nine to five hours right, okay. and I, nobody else on the team held my hours. So mm-hmm. I was working. I had to make an extra special effort to go in and see the team and be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's because you were working at 11 p.m. You were probably up at five. You were there on, on a Saturday. plane. I was in three right. different time zones in a week. Yeah, it yeah. was like, you know, it was right. really difficult to actually get in there and make my schedule mirror their schedule at all. Okay. Um but that was a mistake as well, because then things happened that I didn't know, uh, but, you know, outside of my awareness, because I got too... Uh, too distracted. Well, too, not distracted, Too spread but, thin. Right. Too spread yeah. thin on the road. But, but I don't think that was what was um, delaying not. Howard. Definitely not. You know, Howard's... But uh, once again, we go through different phases of life. So I don't really make Howard wrong for taking the time off sure, and yeah. stuff. I don't... Uh, but there is a problem from a cash flow perspective... Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you've got four hundred ninety-six thousand dollars in, or four hundred ninety-two thousand dollars in debt, uh, a payroll of five eighty-three, and only thirty-two in the bank, you know there's a problem. Ouch! You know there's yeah. a problem. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, well, one thing I, I don't know if, uh, if uh, I'll point this out. I don't know if you uh, cut this part, sure. but he talked about anchors, and I like this. Okay. Um, Marcus had mentioned that when in in terms of segmenting the store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting with the proper signage where people knew where they were going, easy flow through so people could walk through the store, stroll. Yeah. See, you know, it's like you think of like you go into a supermarket. You see Right, and you see canned eggs, goods yeah. or, you know, yeah, you know, you know where you're going. There's a little organization. Exactly. Sure. And it, what he pointed out here 
idea was that they would have anchors, uh, category anchors in each of those places. So you'd have a display, for example, and we saw it at the end when the aprons, the chef's aprons, and they had a brand name that he mentioned, uh, Tillet, is it? T-I-L-E-T. Tillet. Tillet. He said that was the brand anchor for the chefware department. Uh-huh. And his point is, is that if you take a well-known brand and you, you anchor it into that uh, into that particular category, that particular aisle, then the uh, well-known function of that brand can have a halo effect. Right, on... over all the other brands that you're stocking. Exactly, right. exactly. And I think there's a lot of genius in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would not uh, have thought of it that way, but mm-hmm. I get it. Like uh, if I'm a chef and I know that Tillet chef jackets right. are sort of the Toomey of luggage... Or that you know, in, yeah, in comparison, exactly. or, or whatever the brand, you know, the Rolex of Tumi watches, was great or, right? Yeah, yeah. Then and and I know that you stock the Rolex of watches. Then it gives then you faith I would in the rest. Go, right, I would go there, and even if I don't buy the Tillet or the Rolex or right. the Tumi, it would drive me to your store and give me the option to see yeah. whatever else. And you I have. immediately, the moment he brought that concept in, I immediately thought of Nordstrom because we mm-hmm. live, you know, Nordstrom. Nordstrom we, I used to live Nordstrom, right down Nordstrom. the street from Nordstrom. It's not, it's not really right down the street. But when you go in there, I'll always see, you know, I, I used to only wear Xenia suits. Like Xenia okay. was yeah. my brand, Amazing. right? That was, uh, and the reason why was because Warren Buffett only wore Xenias. I so. used to love the cologne. Yeah, I, I oh, liked the cologne. I loved the cologne for men. The suits Zenia were cologne. actually a really bad cut on me. <laughs> I like, but I, I wanted to wear Xenias because I said so then the Hugo Boss was a much better cut for me. <laughs> okay. But I would only buy Xenia, but they have, like, when you go in there, the Xenias are, like, right there, right. prominent on mm-hmm. the display case, and they're out front, and it's, yeah. it's an expensive suit. It's between yeah. two and four grand, maybe sure. just up to six grand per mm-hmm. suit but they then they have all the other suits that are in there as well so you I, you see that idea of the sure. brand anchor in a, in a store like and that then, and what well. it does too is it, it, it really helps to raise the overall perceived value of the store exactly itself, exactly right? so it's a branding exercise right. not mm-hmm. just for the other product there but for the store right uh, yeah, so, absolutely. yeah so uh let's see here we've got uh, the knife business. I just hear looking at that. So I, they, what Marcus had pointed out was that they needed a merchandising plan mm. or uh, a planogram, he called it. And we've heard him use that term before. Do you remember the, that? The planogram. From, I think it's an yeah. interesting term. It's a creative term. Yeah, it must be the term that, that's uh, used in the industry. Sure. Uh, because I remember we went, there was the episode we were watching uh, where... A show that they did a little while back, where they were put, they the woman had asked the store to change the uh, the way that they had her products stocked in the shelves. Do you remember oh, that? I remember. I don't remember what product we were talking about. Oh, uh, I think it was the. Um wasn't it the bath, um, the bathtub cleaning supplies? It's sounding, it's sounding Maybe. right. It's something like that. The, the, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, and he said, uh, and he asked. He actually went to one of the people in the store. He said, "I want, can I see the planogram?" Uh-huh. And so on the planogram, they had that mm. the, her product was, was lower, was on, lower the on the shelf mm. on a singular shelf rather than being spread throughout the shelf. She wanted to give the illusion that they were doing better than they than they uh-huh. were. So the planogram must be that must be the common term in the in the uh, retail industry okay. for. How they stock the shelves. yeah, right? Uh, how they stock the shelves, and, and now we get insight into how one would do that if one had uh, you know with. There you go. So if you're opening up a store, there folks, you go. Get yourself a planogram. Get yourself a take planogram. Your, take the time to, to draw one up. Yeah, and also be thinking of the brand anchors. Mm. Uh, yeah, very very um very special tip that one. Yeah, I like that. I think that. it's great. Yeah, yeah so And the, this is why I love this show because there are so many business elements that you could 
absorb and become aware me? of me i think you should you. open a business okay there you go i should i should you open should. a business yeah okay <laughs> sorry i interrupted your thought no that's all right but, but that's because i love this show it, it's rare that i have a thought so i'm not gonna <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm joking so uh yeah so the planogram and then how they uh how they stock it I, I i think there was so much to learn in this episode about that in terms of the categorization in terms of the signage in terms of the cleanup because he had such a huge cleanup to do inside this store. Mm -hmm. They also went on to uh, the, the, to liquidate the product that because they, they had inventory that had been sitting there for years. For that years had not moved. that hadn't sold. Like, why not just get rid of it? Yeah, so he puts he does a sale and he puts a dollar on some of the products, buy this for a dollar. This is the giant garage sale. Five dollar yes. you get the five dollar table, the dollar table, and the moment he puts that up, how he starts running around saying, I'm not selling that for a dollar, I'm not selling that for five dollars. But these are products that hadn't moved in years. Right. So I think Howard was a bit of a hoarder. Yeah. Would you agree with yeah, that? I could say that. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a hoarder. And and also, again, because there was an emotional investment for Howard in the business, we see it time and time again. It's always hard for these business owners to see their products, their dreams, right. their effort being pushed out the door. And for sure. And the thing is, is that uh, that's got to be tough. That's that's totally comprehensible. Absolutely. We get that. Yeah, I get you know, it. The, I you get didn't it. get into business because you wanted to be an employee. You didn't get into business because you didn't want to have uh, say. Right. Yeah. You know, so and it's, so it's got to be very hard when Marcus comes in and takes over for a period of time, 100% control. And we don't even know if it's for a period of time. Tough, we don't know right? how long that 100% uh, control uh, uh. goes on. That, that's the one thing that we don't know. And that's I'm the question. Sure they that negotiate that per business. Marcus, if you're watching, could no, you let us we know? We would love to know. Somebody is, on the profit team. Yeah, or anybody from the profit. Mm -hmm. Could you let us know? Is the 100% control, is that for good at that point? Or is it for a uh, period of time that's mm -hmm. uh, just kind of a, a momentum yeah. period? Sure. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, yeah, we are it, curious. They may not tell us because it may be deal per deal and they don't... You know, you know what? Just let us know then that it is deal per deal. Yeah, I, and I, and they, they may the not details. even want to say that because yeah, yeah right. then everybody's going to try to negotiate differently. <laughs> <laughs> so they start to liquidate things. They get rid of the crap and, you know, stuff going for a dollar, five dollars. But what they found was that even when they priced some of that crap for a dollar, nobody was buying it. No one was it. buying it. It was terrible. So it does um, tell but you... They did, but they did... Um, go ahead, sorry. No, it just tells you what's what's worth keeping versus what's not sure, worth yeah. keeping and where they really want to place their efforts. But they did come away with $300,000 for that inventory. I would be curious, and I'm sure somebody did That's run in the, the liquidation, numbers, yeah. how much the original mark, um, book value was on that product. Oh. You know what? I mean, I'm sure it was three times that uh, yeah, at course. a minimum. Oh, probably much more. You probably know, two million dollars worth of pro worth of inventory there. My, there's always going to be a loss if they do a liquidation like mm -hmm. that. I get it. Like I had uh, in my storage shed, mm -hmm. I found uh, like literally. I don't. I, I, I see. I'm as bad as they are because he's like, if you don't know how much inventory you have, and I don't know how much inventory was inside there, I. Yeah could have every excuse in the world but i mean like we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of product mm -hmm. my product mm -hmm. that was inside the storage shed just huge huge yeah, yeah. uh and i had to actually get a house that was much bigger than what i wanted in yeah. order to take the storage sheds <laughs> put and put this product house. in and figure out what i had <laughs> but you know at the, at the point where you've got all that inventory that was very clearly sure. misordered yeah. not thought about 
uh, just a not mess. Not marketed. Not marketed. Right. You know, for me to try to try to cry over spilt milk is like okay. Uh, it's and so that's the thing is you just have to cut your losses, pull the band aid, and move on to the next. And chapter. Do it. Yeah. I mean, and I, it hurts. It does hurt. And it helps at the right time. You know, mm-hmm. I had uh, I did a fire sale online, sent an email, and had made seventy grand in forty eight hours. Woo. And for, you know, for, and it's like, can I bring you to my house so we can do that with yeah, all the stuff that I don't want? <laughs> but I'll tell you that seventy grand in forty eight hours. I mean, if you were to look at what was the real market value of the product right. and when it was bought, or even what it cost us, it cost us a lot more than that mm-hmm. to for the packaging, the product packaging and stuff. But uh, when you need it, and when you realize you've made a big mistake, when the wake up call comes, that's mm-hmm. you know that's a great thing. So to do the liquidation like that is like fantastic. Right, right. Get rid of it. Yeah. Let's let's stock what we want and need. Uh, but we got about five minutes left here, so. So uh, let us uh, take a look at. Uh, so they cleared out everything. Thank from you. the warehouse. You, you, look at how and, you picked that uh, up. You know, I, I'm, I'm a good co-host. You're all over <laughs> it. Look, she has. But what they did though is, in addition to getting rid of all of the uh, the inventory, they yeah. got rid of all of the fixtures. Like he just got rid of everything. Yes. And cleaned it out. And redesigned the entire. What did you space. think about his new fixtures for the lighting and stuff? Oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great for that. For anyone that may not have seen the episode, um, they got very creative. Back to what I was saying about experiential mm-hmm. um, customer. Marcus does this a lot. Yeah, right? customer experiences. What they did, for example, was for pots and pans, they actually hung pots and pans and had the lights inside. So strainers, strainers, you know, just really cool kitchenware that was used as. Fixtures, very, and, then, very and again, cool. just made it fun and cheeky, and, and that's part of he's he's brought that to the plate. Remember the catering company mm-hmm. he'd done that with, where he brought in various yeah. aspects of whatever business they were catering for. And they've done for that with uh, some of the pet up. stores, right? Pet stores. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think it's a great little idea. It's it's magic. It adds yes. magic to the experience. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, he also took them, as always, to some of the leading uh, companies, some of the competitors or leading companies in various aspects of the business. They went to a glassware company, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, Howie was convinced that the glassware there was no money in that. And this glassware company did. Do you remember how much? They had one wall about the size of this yeah. wall behind us, and they had done five million dollars in sales. Five million off of annually. Just that one wall of glassware. Yeah. So Robin was the one pushing to have. A glass this wall. This is the wife. So Robin, the wife. The wife is, and yeah. Howard had been vetoing this. No, 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 no. So when they went together with Marcus, the three of them, to the glass, the kid, the glasses area, right. and uh, and found out that this one wall had generated five million dollars in sales. Howard started walking away, and Marcus said to him, "No, no, 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 no. You come back here and you listen to how much revenue is." Potentially in this product, right. and so Robin went back to the store and built a glassware. There you wall. go, and she did a great job of <laughs> With it. Different types of glasses, um, shot glasses, bowls, red wine, white wine, all of that. Beakers, sure, little, yeah, lots yeah, of this, fun stuff. It looked like a chemistry lab, but <laughs> in a in a nice and elegant way, right? Uh, you know, in the end, they had they ended up having a, a bit of a uh, an intervention, if you will, mm. where Marcus had to pull both uh, Rob and the wife to the side, Howie to the side, and talk to them really about the way that they interrelated more than anything else, yeah. about Howie's lack of respect for her ideas and about her not stepping up. Yeah. Uh, there was when when Marcus said that he was cautiously optimistic. <laughs> he said he actually used that term a couple of times because he thought, well, maybe we had a breakthrough here. And he was right in being hesitant about when he mm-hmm. said maybe, because mm-hmm. how he said, okay, we're all good now. And then he kisses Robin on the cheek and you don't quite buy it. Marcus didn't quite buy it. Right. I didn't quite buy it. You didn't quite buy it. But, I'm but sure. I, but I do think Howard was 
made at least somewhat aware that his behavior needed to change. It was and, a step and, in the and, right direction. And he was trying, sort yeah. of. It was a step in the right so, direction. Overall, you know, they got they, they've got a great new space, great new product. Hopefully, uh, a better relationship between the two owners. And they have a POS yeah, system yeah. that they put in place mm, uh, to so track the inventory. Point of sale yeah. um, that tracks the inventory. It's like it's a combination of a database and tracking of the inventory. It's got everything yeah, in it's there. It's one of those things where you scan it and you know the number goes into the system and you know that you've got ten of these left. And if you sell one, there's nine of them left. So right. they'll never have to get a guess again. Right. It's also where you keep your client database and all of mm-hmm. that and all the people, so you can mail out to them and, yeah. and all sorts of stuff and offer gifts and incentives and big. So if anyone sales. is in New York and. And you're going to be at Chelsea Market this weekend. Go check them Go out. Check Bowery out for Kitchen sure. Supplies Store. Yes, and if you if anybody from uh, Bowery is on here, uh, mm-hmm. reach out to us, and uh, you can uh, you can tweet us when my phone gets fixed. Yeah, you can tweet us, <laughs> but do tweet us. We'll check them after the show. We'd love to have you on the show, yeah. and we yeah we want to get some of these businesses on the show so we can hear how they're uh, doing. Absolutely, and, call uh, us. Let us know how you're doing. Let after us the know. Fact. Uh, and I think with that we'll wrap because we, uh, we got wrapped. 52 seconds <gasps> to do this. Watch how we do We're this. We're on the countdown. All right, right so so Kat. Katarina Kazayas. All right. Thanks, everyone, for being with us. I'm Katarina Kazayas. Again, on Instagram and Twitter, at Katarina Kazayas. And we will see you November 15th. Beautiful. Oh, yes. We're not coming back till November 15th. Remember that. And it's not because we don't love you. It's because there's no show. Because Marcus need, is taking we three weeks off. Time off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Howard. You can reach me at Chris Howard Live on Twitter and Instagram. You can also go to legendarylivingdaily.com for daily tips, motivation, inspiration, entrepreneurial stuff, and legendarylivingtv.com for YouTube. YouTube. Remember to download the podcast. Find us on iTunes. You can download that podcast there and you can get us intravenously drip fed to you uh, with all the episodes. And with that, I'll say over and out and we will see you on November 15th. Bye-bye. Ciao. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 